that passage that Josh just read for us out of Hebrews is paramount in Scripture to what we're talking about this morning. And we'll go back to Hebrews chapter 10 later on in this morning. But this morning we're talking about the fact that just depending on what research you would read, almost one half of the entire world's population in some way, for whatever reason that they've done, they celebrated what we call Christmas. That's a staggering number. And when you look at the reasons for that, well, many of them in this world just celebrate it because it's a commercial thing to do. It's a holiday, and, and many think nothing beyond that. But it's just a special time of the season. And of course, there are many that do it from a civil holiday standpoint, many who are Christians. They do it strictly from a civil standpoint, not religiously. And there are many who celebrate it religiously. And when I talk about many who celebrate religiously, I've listened to sermons from denominational preachers. I've talked to people in various denominations, what have you. And almost all of them, when you ask them, you know, when's Jesus' birthday, they'll say, I don't know. Interesting because as I was growing up as a Christian, when I said growing up since I was 21 and become a Christian, I've heard, well, many would say, well, Jesus' birthday is December 25th. And, and I hear that. People refer it to that way. But when I asked them, do you really know when it is? They're like, oh, no, we have no idea when it is. But I was always taught, no one, everyone believes that that actually was the day. And so it's very interesting. But they said, well, why do you celebrate it then? Because he came into this world... So you could die. And the first time I heard that from a Christian, it made me pause and think about his reason for coming into this world. Because, you know, I was brought up as a Christian, you don't celebrate Christmas. It's associated with a pagan holiday. And so on and so forth. And interestingly enough, there's some new um, archaeological findings of literature this year that was stating with regard to this practice having nothing to do with a pagan holiday, which is really causing us to rethink, well, why, why was it started to begin with? Particularly when you look at the early beginnings of Christianity um, from, from a standpoint of colonial USA, you know, where Christmas wasn't celebrated. And so you have all kinds of reasons why it's celebrated today, but what i like for us to do is consider these things. This morning with regard to why Jesus came into this world. Well, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 tells us that just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. What this tells us is that before the heavens and the earth were created, God knew he would create this earth, had this world populated, and he would send his only son to be born into this world so that he could die for our sins. Now, stop and fathom that for a second. God knew from eternity we would need a Savior. God knew the very people that he was going to create would turn from him. And knowing this, he would bring of himself into the world salvation. That's what we have. That's the significance of our Savior 
that it's planned from eternity. And when we look at the scriptures, his birth was just as planned. And interestingly enough, I've had people who have said, you know, this passage in Isaiah chapter 7 is not about Jesus. Well, maybe not. I mean, we can debate as far as what was being used um, contextually to Isaiah um, and his prophecy and what have you. But when you read Matthew chapter 1, when Matthew's recounting the birth of Jesus, he's using this very passage very explicitly to foretell or the fulfillment of this prophecy. He says in, in Isaiah 7 verse 14, Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she'll call his name Emmanuel. Think about it. Let that sink in for a second. Some 700 years before Jesus came to this world, a prophecy is being made, and this prophecy is of a virgin. How does a virgin give birth? And even more miraculous is that the name of this child would say, this is God who is with us. I mean, if you thought it was a miraculous thing to behold a virgin having a child, think about God dwelling in the midst of man. That's amazing. I don't have the eloquence of speech to even get into what all is here, but it is so awesome and awe-inspiring to have these words. And this is exactly what Matthew records as he's recounting the birth of our Savior into this world. This is scripture that is being fulfilled as God had planned from all eternity. And furthermore, we see the fulfillment of this prophecy given where in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 following, in fact, I want you to open your Bibles because I want to read the text here in Luke's account. We could have read Matthew's account. Both of them are wonderful accounts. But look at Luke chapter 1 and read this with me just to see how amazing this prophecy which had been fulfilled that God had foreordained before the heavens and the earth were created and see if you're not amazed. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore also, that holy one who is to be born 
will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, who was also conceived a son in her old age, and this now, the sixth month for her, who is called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the maid servant of the Lord, let it be done according to your word. And the angel departed from her. When we read past 35, these verses 36 and 37, and read of what's being said here, can you imagine what's going on in Mary's mind? You think about it. That Jesus came into this world as this angel Gabriel is foretelling to Mary. He says to her, here's his purpose. His name is Jesus because he's going to save us from our sins. What's going on in Mary's mind? In fact, there's a song named Mark, uh, by, by Mark Laurie called Mary Did You Know? I don't know why. This is only the first year that I've recognized this song. And I've heard it sung over and over, but I never really paid attention to the words until I was doing research for the sermon here. And it really sunk in. I went ahead and printed the words, and this is just a um, sampling up here. But I want you to listen to these words. Imagine what it's like. In fact, before I read these words, imagine what it's like. You are Mary. You're not yet married. And you're pregnant. What do you say to your mom? With a Jewish background, and they are zealous for the Lord, and if you were to be in Mary's situation, you could be stoned to death. Because obviously, you've committed adultery in your betrothing. Right? I mean, she's pregnant. And if we just read, if we could have gone to Matthew's account, we could read that Matthew had the mindset to put her away. He was going to put her away for adultery because she's pregnant and it wasn't his. Imagine what you said to your mom. Mom, the Holy Spirit impregnated me. Is that what you tell your mom? You liar. What's going on when you're listening to the words of this angel saying, your child is going to bring deliverance to your people? In other words, what, what Mary's hearing is, my child is going to be the Messiah. He's going to set up the kingdom on this earth and rule it over like the days of David. Little did she know what was in store for her son. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Did you know 
that your baby boy has walked where angels trod. And when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Mary, did you know the blind will see and the deaf will hear? The dead will live again. The lame will leap. The dumb will speak the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. That's powerful. I wish we could sing that for our service. I cannot imagine what it's like to grow up as Mary thinking, listening to the words of this angel tell you this is who your son is going to be. Not knowing of all that was just said, it was fulfilled, it was actually exampled, employed in scripture. He did these things. Did she know that those hands that that she would hold would be the hands that would be pierced with nails? How could she know that? And yet we're told in John chapter 19 and verse 5 when he's speaking to Thomas saying, do you not see my hands that have been pierced? The nails driven through those hands? Did you see it? How could she have imagined that the little baby head that she was going to kiss on many hundreds if not thousands of times would one day wear a crown of thorns of shame that would cause his head to bleed before he's crucified to death. Can you imagine that your child that the angel has said is going to be Jesus our Savior would actually die between two thieves as a criminal? Can you imagine? Mary couldn't. But God foreordained that this was going to happen. We can read Old Testament scriptures. We can read Isaiah chapter 53. In fact, just... To let you know, since we're in Isaiah chapter 7, go back to Isaiah. We use this passage often with regard to the Lord's Supper. And I want you to see, this was what God had planned for his son to come into this world and to die this death. Go to Isaiah chapter 53 with me. And read, just read the first 10 verses, let alone the rest of the chapter. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root of, out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness or form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. In fact, he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. 
We did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. This is past tense, speaking of the future. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence. Nor was any deceit in his mouth. And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. All these centuries passed. And when Isaiah is using this prophecy, God knew this is what was going to happen. And thus he could speak in past tense of something that had yet to happen in human history. Mary didn't know, but God did. And what God wants us to know about Jesus coming into this world is that here is what was going to happen. Jesus said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for Christ, for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and the scriptures. In other words, what we see in scripture is that this newborn babe would become our high priest. That this little baby that came into the world was going to intercede on behalf of our sins. Make, off, make an offering once and for all, Hebrews chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 9 for that matter. Once and for all for our transgressions. And not only high priest, but like in the order of Melchizedek, high priest and king. He would rule over and protect our lives as our king of kings. That's why Jesus came into the world. That he came into this world is significant. It's in scripture. But why he came into this world? Well, that's paramount. And that's what we see in scripture as well. That's what scripture teaches us. And so when we go back to Matthew chapter 21 and read what the angel had said to Mary, she will bear a son for he will save his people from their sins and you shall call his name Jesus. He came into this world to die. That was his purpose. We'll never forget that. 
that's what's so important for us. And as a song says it right here, Jesus paid it all. That was the reason why he came into this world. You know, Colossians chapter 3 tells us, whatever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 tells us that whatever you do, do to the glory of God. And we're told to give thanks in everything. While I'm here, and I'm grateful that Jesus came into this world. Without his birth, we would not have a sacrifice. Without his birth, we would not have a life that is example to show how we ought to love one another and how we ought to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. But it took God taking on the form of man, coming in the, like, the, like, the likeness of flesh so they could be as we are, nor temptations, nor sorrows, and show us the perfect sacrifice that he was. Indeed, he did pay it all. He gave up his life and had his blood shed for you and I. I want you to think of these things every time this season comes around. It's important for us. And not just this season. We're told in the religious world, right, Jesus is the reason for the season. He's the reason for everything. For every season. For every breath that we take. And I hope that clings in your heart every single day as you give your life to him. And I want you to know, just as the angel told Mary that he's coming to the world to save this world, you may be here right now and you may be lost because you have not come to him. Note that God loved you before you even thought of him. And he gave you his only begotten son knowing that you're going to sin because all have sinned and fall short of his glory. But he gave you a Savior that you may call upon his name. And you can do that this morning. Just as was mentioned of the six new sisters in Christ that we have who are baptized and identified with Christ's death and his resurrection, you can be identified. And guess what? You can be born again. You can be born brand new so that you can give your life to your father as he did. Why not do that? And return to him if you need. If you're living a life that is contrary to our Lord, if you've turned away from him, for whatever your reason, come back to him. He died for you. Don't let that death, that sacrifice be in vain. Take advantage of it right now. It's together. We stand and sing the song.